Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. I mean, these are my children, and, and I want my partner to fall in love with them because my children are fucking awesome, you know? My kids are fucking great. I have fucking great kids. I'm going to fucking say it again. Welcome to Manic Rambling Spiral. I'm Heather B. Armstrong. And I'm John R. Bray. We today are going to wing it a little bit, like we normally do, with the guidance of the topic of step. Step parents, step uh, parental figures. (laughs) Yes, anyone who fits into that. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, I think parental figure is probably actually step parental figure makes a lot of sense. Step parental figure. And we bring this up because my children are in New York with their father. And I am seeing photos of my children on the social media streams of his girlfriend. And which I have no control over and she has every right to do that. I don't know what is going into her decision to do that. (laughs) because maybe my experience with social media is very different from a lot of people. But in the last few years, with what I have experienced in sharing my life on social media, there's for sure going forward, my inclination is not to share anything that has to do with a romantic relationship or anything associated with that romantic relationship for the privacy of that person and everything that that person um, deserves. So that's where I'm coming from things. So I think that if I were to become a step parental figure that I'm not sure that I would share any of that on my social media (laughs) Mainly because people will go and find that person and that person's children and make their lives a living hell. That's basically what happens. So, Well, and I think it's when you're not a sole parent, you know, anytime you do something like that, if you want to post photos or something, you know, there's, I would imagine, as there was in my case, there was a general understanding that both parents had to agree with the overall post, you know, maybe not with every single photo, but there was an understanding that you were going to post photos or not post photos. Right. Mm -hmm. So as this step parental figure, it's there's more parties involved. And I feel like there, I feel like as a courtesy, there should be a general agreement. My friend Kristen, I was visiting my friend Kristen and she has that account called asshole parent. All right. And do you remember the story? And someone posted a photo, some, her babysitter was out with my kids because we were all, it was my birthday, and um, her babysitter was out with my kids, and the two younger kids, including Marlo, were being really upset that they had to get their photo taken at a, at a, at a playground. 
And uh, so it showed up on that Instagram stream. I didn't even know it was there under the hashtag asshole parent. And so in this final mediation that John and I were in, he basically said that I wasn't allowed to post or write about my children ever again online. <laughs> Which is a pretty big ask, considering that's what you what you do. That's I mean, a pretty big ask, given that that was what paid for our lives for over 10 years. Right. Um, and then when I, you know, I looked at the mediator and I said, I'm going to get up and walk out because that's not a demand that he can make. And the mediator's like, I, we understand that. And so his second request then is that he has to, he gets approval of everything that I post. And I said, no, <laughs> no, <laughs> that's not going to work either. Sorry, I'm going to get up and walk out. And so again, we came to the conclusion that we would use our best judgment when posting about children, the children. Um, so in, in, in where I come from, like I posted a photo of Marlo. She had a school party the last day of school and she had this crazy pantyhose balloon hat on her head. And I was trying to be very careful not to expose any of the other children in her classroom. Because for me, that's just a dangerous territory of people complaining to the principal or like, you know, Deuce is exploiting my children on her social media. So I'm very cautious. Right. Well, I mean, to just randomly loop other children in without talking to their parents. I mean, even when yeah. you post photos of your friends' kids, you ask them. I think we've talked about that, right? Oh, I I asked them and then I warned them and I'm like, do you want to sign this waiver so in case you experience any sort of emotional trauma that right. I'm not responsible? Yeah, I mean, it's hard too, I guess. And I've been sitting here for since we started recording trying to find this email and I apologize that I'm not able to, but we discussed at one point this step parental figure role and i don't recall in regards to what specifically but we discussed it and one of our listeners emailed offering kind of a counterpoint you know as a step parent you know with the uphill battle that she faced and and possibly even continues to face in that role um so obviously we both come at it from from the the actual role of parent not as the, the you know the step parent and I think there's definitely challenges there. I mean, I, I imagine, especially with older with older kids. I mean, Lexton is twelve, so you know, there's a lot. It's it's a challenge coming into that and trying to take on that role and figure out what that role needs to be and how you need to to juggle between you know the two parents. But I think I think some people probably do it better than others, and I think there's I've probably said this before about other things, but you know, there might not be a wrong way to, or a right way to do it, but there's definitely a wrong way to do it. I think there's just like being a parent, you sort of fumble your way through until you find your footing, right? Yes. My mother remarried very soon after the divorce and she married a man that she's still married to today. And he holds a very, very special place in my life. He's, he is the grandfather to my children. He's been the grandfather to all of our, our, our children. And as diametrically opposed as we are politically and culturally and socially, he, he 
I love that man unconditionally and would 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 take a bullet for him. But in the, those beginning days, he came into our lives and wanted to change a lot of what was going on. I think he he wanted to institute some rules about how the household was run because he saw some holes or spots that needed to be filled. Just right out of the gate. This was his. Just okay. right out of the gate. Yeah. And I'm trying to remember. He actually taught. <laughs> Ariana Huffington recently asked me for this thing that she wants to run on her new network. She asked me what my biggest life hack was. And I should have said this. My stepfather instituted a rule that we were not allowed to take a shower and then put the towel in the dirty clothes. You would hang up your towel and you would use it three or four more times because it saves so much in terms of laundry and it saves so much in terms of water. Why he was being a conservationist, I don't know. <laughs> but that's like a rule that me and my brother and my sister still live by today. Like we hang up our towels after we take a shower. So it's one that stuck. It's one that stuck, yeah. And also, he also basically, he came in and he said that whenever we came home from school or from wherever we were, anything that got dropped in the house where it wasn't supposed to be would get thrown away, regardless of what it was. And he was very serious about it and did it multiple times. So we learned very quickly not to drop things in the house and to put them where they went. Wow. <laughs> but I think some of his... Um, I don't even remember what it was specifically, but he and my brother had a very, very difficult transition with each other. So difficult, in fact, that my brother went to live with my father for several months because he couldn't take it. Oh, that's okay. That's a big, a big hurdle then. Yeah, because my brother was 13, 14, 15. You know, my brother, I think my brother was trying his hardest and my stepfather was trying his hardest, but they were butting heads as they were trying their hardest and my brother couldn't take it. And so he was he was succeeding with like me and my sister, but then he and my brother had that difficult, complicated relationship. And I, I know it was, it was hard for him. It was hard for my brother. It was hard for my mom to watch it happen. Was your stepfather able to recognize, you know, that he needed to maybe work with your brother differently than you and your sister? Yeah, he, he eventually his edges sort of softened. And, you know, time shows, I think time showed him that Ranger, my brother, had very good intentions. Um, he wasn't trying to be difficult. My brother has a very humorous personality and playful. And I think some sometimes my, my stepfather misinterpreted that as my brother being a smartass. And he, he probably was being a smartass several times, but he was doing it because that was the way my brother showed love. Ah, okay. So I think, yeah, so, you know, I'm sure coming into a situation where you're the person you're in a relationship with has children, there's going to be a definitely a steep learning curve with how you are with those children, how you, your influence in their discipline. Yeah. And your decisions about sharing their lives online, which is not something that my parents ever had to contend with. This is a new sort of territory. Like, do I post pictures of my stepchildren and write about them and put that out there for the world? Right. And if you want to do that, then what steps 
should you take or do you want to take before you do it? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I feel like, I mean, obviously, yeah, in some ways I am a step parent, but you know, he was so little when I came into his life that I didn't really face a lot of those hurdles that I think you cross with older children. But I feel like you have to choose where you either come in and you kind of immediately assume some of that responsibility, like maybe your your stepfather did, mm-hmm. or you come in and you take, I don't want to say a backseat approach, but sort of a backseat approach and just watch and observe and, you know, settle in as an actual presence before starting to discipline, before starting to make the changes. Mm-hmm. And again, I don't know that either is right. And it probably depends a lot on the family and a lot on the kids. And honestly, I feel like it would it would depend a lot on the other parent. Right. You know, and how that relationship is. Because I think if the other parent is, you know, completely absent and gone, then you are a step parent, but the kids only have two parents. They don't have three mm-hmm. or four. So there's so many factors, but I still feel that Anytime you want to make a decision that's, you know, outside of the immediate bubble, it has to involve both of the, both of the actual parents. And by the immediate bubble, I mean the actual, you know, the, the new family unit, I guess, for lack of a better way to put it, you know, something like posting photos online. Right. (laughs) Some of these terms are, there's no really good way to put it, but they all sound so impersonal. (laughs) Oh man. Yeah. I think, you know, my mom, my mom took a backseat role when it came to disciplining us as kids because my dad was so aggressive about it. And so when the divorce happened, I think my stepfather Rob came in and was like, saw that my mom was more of a nurturer than she was a the disciplinarian. And this is the thing though, is that we were all really, really, really good kids. We, none of us really did. None of us were making terrible decisions. Well, you kissed someone in high school, didn't you? When I was 17. Then I repented of it. I went to the bishop and repented of it. (laughs) But he, I think he stepped in and he saw that like my mom was more of a nurturer and he's like, Oh, I have to step in and be the disciplinarian. When I think, he eventually learned I should have slowed that down a bit. And, um, right. yeah. And whereas my stepmom, we never, I never lived with my dad. And so my stepmom was my stepmom, but it was, it, it's a different relationship. It's just different than the relationship that I have with my stepfather because I lived with him. Right. So that makes sense. Mm-hmm. It's so hard because, you know, he came in and maybe he was a little too firm or a little too aggressive just, you know, in his plans to change things. But it was well-intentioned. You know, it's not that he was coming in and and trying to be an asshole. But I think it can also go, I think when you you take as a step-parent, when you come in and take sort of more of a backseat role, I imagine, and I don't know, but I imagine that you kind of run the risk of becoming more of a friend than a parent without taking some of that on yourself without becoming a parent. That's a possibility. But that's where that line is so fuzzy because you don't want to fall too heavy on either side. I mean, I think, I think Lexton looks at 
how Robert is more of a friend. Mm. Like I, I definitely don't think he sees him in a, in a parental role at all. And I think part of that is because he doesn't live there. And part of it is because I think that Robert's approach, if there is an approach has been very backseat and nonchalant. Yes. He, he, he's never had children, correct? No, no, he is not. That's another factor too, is people coming in who never had children and suddenly they're facing a 12 year old boy. Right. Um, <laughs> you haven't had the 12 years to prepare yourself for this <laughs> hormonal creature that is in your presence. Yeah. And all you really have is this ability to reflect back on being that age. But it's not, it's not the same. I, I feel like that, that gives you only a really skewed view mm-hmm. of what it's like. And I can't, I can't imagine it. I think it would be incredibly difficult to come into you know, a 12-year-old's life as a parent. Yes. I, I think it would be challenging. And I would probably, I think, instinctively take the more backseat role to just sit back and watch how things work. Because I, I don't know, I would feel like any, any direction I pushed, there'd be pushback. Which is maybe inevitable at some point, but I would just, my default would be to play it safe. Well, it's a tightrope that you're walking. I mean, it's a, it's a very delicate tightrope tight because there's so many factors involved. There's so many factors involved. There's the pain of the divorce. There's the, you know, and the, the residual pain of, of things that have gone wrong. And the, wait a minute, this person is going to come in and tell me what I'm supposed to be doing. What? Who is this person? telling me that I'm supposed to pick up stuff off the floor. What What is going on here? Like, you didn't raise me. Right. I dated someone for a few years who didn't have children, didn't introduce him to the children for, I think I have mentioned this, I didn't introduce him for like 18 months. Over the course of an, another 18 months, anytime he was around them, it was very apparent that he, he, it was, he took a very, 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 very backseat approach to them. And I think that's one of the things that I realized wasn't going to work. I don't, fear is not the right word, but was it kind of that? Like he was afraid to screw up or did, he didn't know what to do? What was the... I think it was just like, hands off. I don't know what to do. I, I you know, this is not my territory. Um, instead of taking, like I wanted him to take a more active role in things and be more interactive and be more parental rather than this bystander who's like, yeah, th- these are the kids of my girlfriend. Right. I don't know. It's... Well, you also waited yeah. 18 months, uh-huh. which is, you know, and, and they knew about him, mm-hmm. right, before they met him? Yes. Okay. So that's a whole other piece. You know, I think to to have that period of time where you get to feel things out first and then introduce them, you know, rather than... For example, marrying him and then introducing the kid like a month later, <laughs> just to just to pull something out of a hat. It's a slightly different situation. Mm-hmm. And I think from from the standpoint, you know, maybe not. I haven't gone through it, but from the standpoint of the kids of your girls, they were able to know that he was a part of your life. And they kind of understood what role he played. So when they met him, it wasn't, it was new, but it wasn't completely out of the blue. 
Right. Which I think automatically, I would imagine, established him as a more serious figure to them. More serious. I He would have been more serious, I think, if he had engaged um, with them Again, more than the the way it felt was these these are the children of my girlfriend. Like it never really progressed beyond that. Um, and he was around my children a lot in the the eighteen months after I introduced him. Like he was around them and spent time with them. And I was, I think, I was waiting for a more overt show of I want to be a part of their lives. Like th- these are these kids. I mean, I guess it's a lot to ask a partner of yours to fall in love with your children because they're not that, I mean, I mean, is it too much to ask? I mean, these are my children and, and I want my partner to fall in love with them because my children are fucking awesome, you know? My kids are fucking great. I have fucking great kids. I'm going to fucking say it again. Like every, this is the thing. Is anybody who's around my kids for any extended period of time is like, oh my God, your kids are amazing. They're so courteous. They say thank you. They say please. They're friendly. They share things. They don't throw a fit if if we're if they want to do something and we can't do something. Like my kids, you know, I have done a really fucking good job. <laughs> and is it too much to ask for a, a new partner in your life to fall in love with them? Maybe it is. Well, I mean, I don't know if it's too much to ask, but I think one factor that comes into play is that you've had, you know, 12 years, for example, with with Lita, 12 years to fall in love with her, to know who she is, what she is, everything about her. And it's not that it took you that long. It's not that finally at 12, you decided you could love her, but you had the time to go through all those periods. So I wonder what that's like for someone new coming in, even if they recognize these are great kids. Yeah. I mean, I've met plenty of people. I'm like, he or she seems like a great person, but that doesn't necessarily mean we hit it off right away that we're friends or anything like that. So I I wonder, you know, how much time it, it takes. I mean, 18 months is a, is a while. Mm -hmm. So I don't know, but then it's, it's this balance between how much time does it take and how much time do you have? You know, you don't want, you don't want someone to be around your kids for, two years and then you realize, okay, this really isn't going to work because then the relationship isn't going to work for you. Then it's confusing for the, I mean, there's all kinds of these elements that come into play, but I think for it to really work, they should love your kids. Mm-hmm. They should be able to, they should want to. Like even maybe it's because, I mean, like I, I was very much like, I loved his brother, like my own brother. Like I loved his sister. Like she was my own sister. I loved seeing them every time I saw them. I loved talking to them. Um, And so when the relationship ended, it was like I didn't just lose him. I lost his family. And that's maybe just how I approach relationships because a person, a a person, a person's relationships that are important to them become important to me. But that just may be a personal trait. Maybe, but I feel like it's a and maybe it's not a common trait, but I feel like it's a good trait. Because otherwise, then your relationship is well, right? Right. When it ends, it sucks. I see updates on Facebook, and I'm like, "Oh God, I miss those people." You know, shit. But that, at the same time, it shows for you that the relationship was more than just one person. It was that person and their life. Mm -hmm. I mean, you. I think you can easily fall in love with a person, 
But if you love, love that person and you don't get along with their friends, you don't like their family, what is the point? Or even if, you know, maybe you get along with them, but you just, it's, you tolerate them. They're there and they're part of it and they come with a package. I, that just, I feel like that's just asking for trouble down the line. Mm-hmm. Maybe you can't like everybody. That's impossible, but I don't know. Yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure when it ended that, that seemed like a really shitty trait though. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And that takes us back to social media because now with social media, you know, 20 years ago, you would have never really known what his family was doing. No. But now it's so easy to see everything that you're missing. Yeah. I mean, and I'm sure that people would say I should unfriend them, but, you know, his his brother actually sent me a, a happy birthday wish this year. And it startled me so much. And I wrote him back and I was like, oh my gosh, thank you so much for this. I think about you often and hope that you are well. And thank you for reaching out. It means the world to me. Well, exactly. And you could unfriend, but just because it didn't work out between you and him doesn't mean that both sides immediately hate each other. Yeah. I mean, I'm close to a ton of people in Heather's family. And I, I honestly think... Obviously, the communication wouldn't be as regular, but I would have remained close to them even without Lexton, even if he wasn't in the picture because I'd gotten to know them so well for 10 years. So to unfriend, unfollow, and just disconnect, I don't know. I mean, yeah, it depends on how things end, but so it's almost easier to just keep keep them there and see it and deal with it and it hurts, but it would be worse, I think. It would hurt more to just cold turkey and cut it off. Mm Mm-hmm. I think too, though, for this step-parent role, I think the relationship between the step-parent and the other parent is important or or can be really important. So, you know, the relationship between your stepfather and your father. Yes. Not that they need to be friends, but how they interact when they're together, how often they're together, you know, that that feel. I think kids really can pick up on even just that unspoken chemistry between two people in a room. And that can make a huge difference. I've said this so many times is that my, my parents handled the divorce, the divorce itself. So, so well, I remember uh, we had a calendar that we would, um, we pinned it to the refrigerator and my brother wrote down on the calendar the day they met. <laughs> and it was the day really? that- it was wow. the, the day that my father had come over to congratulate, not congratulate, but to like welcome my stepfather into our home. And he walked into the house and we sat on the back porch and we talked all of us for like an hour. And it was, it was like, it was fucking magical. <laughs> like, again, my parents were so much happier apart from each other. And they have always, always been uh, very good friends and great with each other. And we noticed that. And that has made things so much easier for us. Yeah. Right. And then you see, you know, that your that your dad doesn't come in and isn't aggressive to your stepfather, isn't rude toward him. So you, I, I think even if you didn't realize it at the time, there's this thought process in it in a child's mind that says, okay, well, if this person that I love and trust seems okay with this other person, then maybe I should be okay with that other person. Mm-hmm. You know, it kind of brings down some of those initial red flags or barriers that might pop up. Yes. 
And I don't, I mean, in my case, I will take some responsibility for probably not being super open, but I think, you know, every situation is different. And when everything spiraled so quickly, I wasn't really ready to be open. You were spiraling very quickly as well. Yeah. I mean, I, I hadn't stopped spinning before everything was coming at me and that made it a challenge. I mean, it's been, it's been better. You know, I think I've mentioned that Halloween of 2015, we all were together and it was, it was fine. I mean, there was small talk and it wasn't condescending or rude and it didn't, for me personally, it didn't feel awkward. So that's kind of what I hope was conveyed to Lexton is that this is okay. This can be okay. Mm-hmm. But I also have definitely not taken just the open arms, welcome approach. You you did not shake his hand. <laughs> no, I did not. No. No. But I do wonder sometimes how how that affects Lexton's view. And it's a hard line to toe. I mean, I, he, he asked me at one point, he said, he, well, he told me, he said, it seems like you don't really, you don't really like him. And I didn't fully know where that observation had come from. Cause I, I definitely, I don't spend time sitting around talking bad about him, but I, so I, I said, well, what makes you think that? And he said, I don't know. It just seems that you don't. And I said, honestly, I don't really know him. I haven't really had the chance to get to know him. So I don't, I can't really not like him, you know, but I said, I also don't really necessarily like him because I don't really know him, which was a lie <laughs> in some ways. But I, I ended it by saying, you know, regardless of how I feel, you're allowed to like him. Like it doesn't, you don't have to like him or dislike him based on me. I just want you to have fun and be happy and do things. And if you have a good time with him, that's great. I said, I would rather you have fun with him than not, as long as I never have to see him. <laughs> <laughs> then it's all good. Oh, man. Lita has had some discussions with me. She's she's asked me several times, especially early on. She's like, so you, you've known her? And I was like, yeah, yeah. She's like, well, do you like her? And I was like, yeah, of course I like her. I think she's great. And she's like, you guys are so different. <laughs> <laughs> you guys couldn't be more different from each other. I'm like, yep. That is a very astute observation, Lita. Very, very astute. Yes. Mm-hmm. Your father went from this extreme to that one. So very, very astute. Yes. That has to be a very interesting thing for her to try and process. I mean, obviously you and John are divorced. So clearly something didn't work. You know, and even, even in Lita's eyes, that makes sense. But for him to, to go from, like you said, one extreme to the other, there have to be wheels turning in her head. Like, why? Why so different? She she told, um, so I have this new babysitter who uh, picks them up at uh, from school and is there to help them with their homework until about five. And um, her name is Lindsay. And she... Uh, we were talking right before the holiday and she said, you know, the other day I picked Lita up from school and just out of nowhere, she was like, mom and dad are so different about, um, how they, t- how they discipline mom and dad are just, just randomly. So, yeah. Just randomly. She's like, mom wow. and dad are just so different when it comes to that. And Lindsay was like, well, what do you mean? And Lita, Lita said, well, like whenever, 
whenever Marlo and I get, you know, upset or we're doing something wrong, like she pulls us aside and she's like, okay, you have this emotion, you, you know, experience this emotion. It's okay. You know, you're allowed to have this emotion. And, and then she lets us, you know, she lets us go. Like she, she's never really harsh. And she says, and with dad, he just really, really wants to talk about it. <laughs> like at length? At length, yes. She's like, dad really wants to talk through it and then talk some more and then talk. Or his mom is just like, are you feeling angry? It's okay, you're feeling angry. I'll, I'll, let, I'll let you feel angry. And then the babysitter was like, my God, like she's like very, very aware of the, the two different techniques. But she's like, you know, it's really different when I'm at home than when I'm in New York. And so it's different. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's interesting. Yeah, he, Lexan hasn't ever made like an outright comment like that. But there's every now and again, there's these little things. And I mean, in my situation, Heather is frequently over. So I'm constantly aware, you know, she'll come over and spend a couple hours with him. And I'll be doing whatever in the house and I hear bits and pieces and it just, it occurs to me how completely different we are in terms of parenting. And it makes me wonder kind of how it is over there, especially with a third party. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Just an observation, not that it's wrong. <laughs> <laughs> okay, here we go. Well, it, John and I were pretty on, we were pretty much on the same page when we went, well, not really. Yeah. So when we were together, I he did, he did like to talk a lot through stuff when, it's like for me, it was like, I don't want to talk about this. Like, I just really want to experience this emotion and get through it. And I don't want to talk through it. Like, I want to be in my own space working through it. And he would do it a lot to my kids as well. Um, like there was, there's a whole thing about Lita not wanting to lose this one tooth and her throwing a fit about it. And he talked to her for like two and a half hours about this goddamn tooth. 
and where she was clearly just like, please stop talking to me about this tooth. But he really wants to like, I don't know, analyze it and deconstruct it. And whereas I'm just like, just let her be in her space. I would, I, I guess the the words that I would use is I, his his approach to uh, discipline is a little more puritanical than than mine. I think maybe uh, his new relationship is playing into that puritanical side of things. So that's the way it is over there, and which is very different than over here, where it's like I'm going to give you your space to work through this. If you want to talk about it, we will. Interesting. Yeah. So there's no more balance because over there it's all when both parties are on the same page like that. Mm-hmm. Interesting. I mean, I think I don't. I don't know if it's even fair to say this is stereotypical, but I think men, or I will say that I always in the past had taken that approach that we need to work through it. Because then when you work through it, you get to an end and you've quote unquote fixed it. You know, you've reached that finish point. And I don't know why that is. That was just sort of always how it was. But it doesn't work like ever. (laughs) It took a while to figure that out, but it really doesn't. Because sometimes there isn't necessarily an end. And when you're facing someone else who doesn't process like that, it's not like if you force them into the process the outcome will be what you what you think it should be because it really won't be an outcome. Yeah, for me it's like you have this emotion, you get to experience this emotion, the fullness of it. It is a valid emotion and I am not going to deconstruct it or pathologize it or try to make it something that it's not. It is you feel angry and process that, come through it. Do you want to talk about it? Would you like to talk about it? Which makes it so that when she comes to me, she knows that I'm not going to sit there and string it out and pull it this way and that way and tie a knot over here. And do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Well, and I think it sets you up. I think when you take that approach, because there's going to come a time where maybe there's something and, you know, they need to experience that emotion and get through it. But at the end of the day, you also have to talk about it. Like it's such a it's such an important thing or a significant thing that it has to be discussed. Some things just aren't avoidable. And I think when you when you take that approach, then when you do run into something that needs to be discussed, they don't feel cornered again. They feel like, okay, you know, mom doesn't normally do this. This must be different. I think it gives them a sense of, I don't, I don't know if importance is the right word, but or severity. I don't know. I guess I think it just puts you in a position. It's like picking your battles, you know, when they're experiencing a particular emotion and it's a big deal to them, but in the big scheme of life, it's really not. So you let them process it and things move on. But when some things are bigger, I think it puts you in a better position to say, no, we, we do need to talk this through. Does that make sense? Oh yeah. The, the week before they left one morning, Lita was getting ready for, uh, getting ready for school. And, um, before she, she uh, her friend Gigi, she, they carpool over to her school in the morning, and we were waiting in the foyer for Gigi to show up. And I'm like, Lita, what's wrong? And she just, she's like, nothing, nothing is wrong. I said, Lita, what's wrong? And she's like, nothing, nothing is wrong, nothing is wrong. I said, Lita, I know you, and I know when something is wrong. Can you just tell me? I, n- nothing, nothing, nothing. And like I put my hands on her shoulders and I said, look at me, honey, what is wrong? And she burst into tears. 
I felt, I mean, it was awful because it was right before school. And I said, honey, what's going on? And she says, I just, I'm so, I feel like everybody at school is looking at me. And this is the, like, it was basically every insecurity that you've ever had in middle school just tumbled out. And I was like, oh, there it is. There it is. And so I hugged her and I said, listen, we'll talk about, if you want to talk about this more when you get home from school, let's do that. But know that what you're feeling is totally normal. And I, I totally felt this way when I was your age and she just sobbed into my shoulder and I just held her and then got her, you know, ready to go to school. But it was like, I knew something was going on and that she needed to express it. And that was the battle I chose was like, I need to pull this out of her. Yeah. Because you're aware of when it's worth pushing because Mm -hmm. you know them well enough to know. Yeah. And even, but even then it wasn't that you, said, okay, well, we're going to miss your first two periods so that we can analyze this. <laughs> it was, thank you for letting me know. If you feel like talking about it after school, let's do it. But that now you're aware. So now you know what to look for. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah, it is, it is the, the processing, I think, of the emotions. I finally, you, we talked about when we had Steve Burns on, we mm-hmm. talked about Inside Out, the movie. Lexton got that for Christmas, so we watched it. And oh, man, <laughs> that movie, that is an intense, I think for kids, it's fun and cute that that was not a dry eyes movie for parents really oh god okay i mean it's 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 amazing i mean it's a it's a phenomenal movie they did an incredible job but it it really gives you a perspective on how your actions as a parent and how life in general molds and shapes the personality of a child Oh no. And oh my God. Oh my God. Oh Oh, my God. I mean, everything from long-term and short-term memory and core memories. And it was, it was intense. Okay. So I started, you need to be in a good space before you watch that. Yeah. And then probably not this week then. Um, but I, I started watching Rocky last night. Did you? There we go. It's so good. It's so (laughs) good, man. Steve Burns is right about that. (laughs) So that's he's two for two then because yeah. damn inside out was that killed me Duh. but i mentioned that because a, a big piece of that that movie and what they're trying to convey is the importance of absolutely every emotion that life isn't happy start to finish and it it can't be and it shouldn't be you know there there has to be processing of all these different emotions in order to move through things and past things yeah but damn oh man Okay. I wonder if, if where I can go get it to see it. Yeah, I don't I mean unless it would be like a rent on iTunes or something. Yeah. My my dad got him the DVD. I don't think I've bought a DVD in I don't even know how long. And there's really nowhere to rent movies by me anymore. <laughs> no. Like at all. I don't know if that exists. So So I was going to bring I was going to bring this up just because George Michael died earlier this week and um that could be part of the funk um it's absolutely a part of the funk but um george michael was a huge 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 part of my childhood just i can't express how the the effect he had on 
me and the how the music affected me. God, I mean, I I know every single word to, to every single Wham song and to every single song off of Listen Without Prejudice and Faith and like and I know every all of it because I play I played those tapes until those tapes were um, disintegrated. Um, <sighs> and the memory that I have, and I told my, my mother and my stepfather this, and it plays into this whole sort of step family situation. So my stepfather has two daughters and they did not live with us. They lived, they remained in Nashville with their mom, but are, they would are they come around your age. Um, they are a little bit older than me. They're like, they're, they're, okay. the, they're the ages of my sister and brother. Okay. Like exactly. So one of the, the younger one, Allison would come and stay with us for a few weeks during the summer. And every summer we would go to, we would drive down to Florida for a week and Allison was uh, pretty much the most beautiful person th- th- to walk the earth in my eyes, uh, in my 10, 11, 12-year-old eyes. Like, she was gorgeous. I felt like an, a, a gangly monster next to, this, <laughs> next to her. And um, she was, quote, she was like the troubled, the troubled daughter, um, getting into trouble and, and like, I think she smoked marijuana and went to an NXS concert, that sort of thing. Oh God. And, uh, which, which interestingly, she is like the most well-adjusted mother of two, you know, in Colorado. And like, she's got a, a wonderful job, upstanding citizen, you know, but we were driving to Florida and, uh, she was with us. And this was sort of a, it was a, it was the first time that my stepfather was going to be coming with us. And it was the first time my stepsister was coming with us. And we stopped at a, a rest stop to have lunch in somewhere in Southern Mississippi. God, I remember all of these details. And my mom and my stepdad went over and they were just having this heated discussion about something. And I'm, I overheard them talking about the fact that my stepsister <laughs> was listening to I Want Your Sex on oh, on her Walkman. <laughs> and it was scandalous. It was super scandalous. And I was just like, that is so cool. <laughs> that that she was doing it and then it was making like making waves essentially. Yes, like she was defiant enough to sit in the car and be listening to I Want Your Sex by Michael by George Michael on her headphones on the Walkman. Like, oh my God, did she just do that? And then my parents found out. So the first thing that I did when I went home was like I sought out I Want Your Sex anywhere I could find it. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, this is this is off limits. But it's such a, a like a vivid memory for me because it was integrating this stepsister into my life and the relationship, you know, my mom navigating that with my stepfather and what do we do about Allison and, you know, the influence that Allison is having on my mom's three kids. And it's it's a delicate, complicated situation when you when you integrate family units. Oh yeah. Yeah. And because every situation is so different, you know, what are the age of the kids that you're moving in with as a step parent? How old are your kids? If you have any, how many do you have? How many? I mean, that's what makes it, I think, really, really, really challenging is that there's not like, well, this is my situation. So I'll turn to page 10 and that will tell me how to do it. 
-hmm. Everything is so different. But obviously, you know, in the case of your parents, there's a right way to do it, right? Or, or you can find a right way to do it. You can find a right way to do it. Yeah. And again, my stepfather has played such an important role in our lives ever since. He's a huge support to my mother and was a huge support to her during her very triumphant years at Avon and sacrificed his own livelihood to follow her around the country as she pursued um, her career. And he was 100% supportive of what she wanted to do. And that was what my mom needed. And we as children recognized the support that she was getting from him and how, how good of a man he was. And I mean, I, I have witnessed that and I noticed that and it has influenced me and influenced, you know, what you see as important in a partner too. Mm -hmm. For me, it makes me think, you know, in 20 years, what, what are Lita and Marlo and Lexton going to look back and say about, Liz and Robert, you know, is it, is it going to be really, really positive? Is it going to be kind of just a neutral shrug? You know, I, I just wonder how it's all being processed because I know that there's so much happening behind the scenes, you know, with, yeah. with them just in their head. And it makes me curious because I've, I've known people that have an experience like yours and I've known people that it's been the complete opposite and not even necessarily that the, that the step-parent was a bad person. It's just they never saw eye to eye with the kids. Like it just didn't work, which I guess goes back to, you know, loving, loving someone's kids. Mm-hmm. And is that too much to ask? Yeah. I, I'm curious about, about Marlo more than I, I think Lita is old enough to, <sighs> Lita is old, old enough to sort of process things in a more mature way. Um, I'm, I, it'll be interesting to see how Marlo processes all of this. Um, because, you know, she still has a narrative in her head that, um, that her dad is going to, um, find a house in Utah and live here half time and live in New York half time. That was a narrative that he started, um, a while ago. Um, and she has clung to that narrative and it has you know, it's been hard for her because she thinks that that's going to happen. Is that narrative actively maintained by him? I don't know. I mean, it seems like at this point that's pretty unlikely to happen. Yeah. And it's, I think it's, it's impeding some progress that we're trying to make with her in terms of like her separation issues and um, moving, getting her to move forward and getting her to, uh, getting her to embrace her wild, unbridled side that she used to exhibit. She's that's been really muted in the last couple of years. So we're we're working on that. But that's you know she she I don't know if she's gonna look at that family unit. I don't know how she's gonna. I'm, I'm sure she she loves being there with them absolutely. But then when she's she's here, like you know, ninety percent of the time. So. Right. Yeah. So that's almost a narrative that she's going to have to learn how to drop. I mean, it's all, it's almost at a point where even if it, she was told that that won't happen, 
that narrative will still live on. Well, he, the, so the therapist did tell her. I mean, the therapist told Arlo. He was like, I don't think that's going to happen, Marlo. Like, he, was, he wasn't trying to be mean, but he was like, this is something that we have got to, you know, move past. And he thinks that that's one of the major stumbling blocks. Um, so how will she construct in her head the narrative of, of all of this, you know? And that includes that includes the divorce. I mean, she was young enough not to, she's probably too young to remember it happening, but she will construct a narrative about the fact that her, the, her mother and father aren't together anymore and that um, in that process, her father lives across the country. So that seven-year-old brain, that, that five and six and seven-year-old brain is putting things together. And man, I'm trying to do everything as good for her as I possibly can so that she is, she makes it through in one piece. Yeah. And she will. I mean, both her and Lita are going to, you know, piece it together and end up with a, you know, a finished puzzle, I guess. It's just the picture is going to look different Yeah, and it has to, and no matter what you do, it just will. And that doesn't mean it's going to end up bad, different. It will just be different. Mm -hmm. But I think as a parent, it's hard to, it's hard to accept that you know that you're only part of the narrative and you can only you can only control how that story ends to a certain degree mm -hmm. we do the best we can yes and this was a little more uplifting than the last one so at least we're starting what did we talk about with the last one god i was juggling holidays oh yeah yeah i talked to, yeah. to marlo yesterday because <laughs> they're not we're recording this before the new year so but they're not home quite yet right they're not home quite yet and i talked to lita for a little bit and she told me what she they had gone to dc to see some things and she told me about seeing the white house and all the monuments and the museums and i'm like well, is marlo there and she's like yeah marlo come here marlo hates talking on the telephone hates it <laughs> i don't take it personally she comes over and she's like hi mom i'm like hey she's like what is the apple password i can't <laughs> <laughs> I, can't get my, just... I can't get my stuff to load on my iPod. And um, and so I, I told Lita how to enter the, the password and, and whatever. And then I said, let me talk to Marlo again. I'm like, Marlo, how are you doing? Good, good. I can't wait for that second Christmas. We miss you. Love you. Bye. <laughs> that, was, that was her conversation? Yes. Oh, man. <laughs> Which is like fine because I know she hates talking on the phone. But she's like, I can't wait for that second Christmas. <laughs> Wow. Like, but she she made an effort. It was just really minimal. Yeah. Like, that's all I am to you is you're going to walk in when you get home and you're going to have all those presents under the tree. I get it. I get it. I know what I am in your life. <laughs> <laughs> yep. But she's also just not old enough to see beyond that. No. You know. That's fine. That's funny. <laughs> Apple password and gifts. That yep. is your role. That is my role, and singing the pump, the rum pump pump song to her at night. Yes, year round. Year round. That is it. And yeah, yeah, that's that is our discussion about parental figures. Yes, and family units. Mm -hmm. And if yeah. you are listening, and you are, you know, a step, a step parental figure step parent uh, and 
and you have a different take on this, we definitely like to hear it. I mean, we're obviously not step parents, so it'd be interesting to hear from the other side. So as always, if you have something you'd like to share, you can email us at stories at manicramblings.com or you can reach out on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram at Manic Ramblings. Yes. And until next time, I would say you gotta have faith, faith, faith. (laughs) Or maybe I should quote I want your sex, but that seems completely like inappropriate. Inappropriate. All over the board. Inappropriate, but very fitting. (laughs) Bye, y'all. Many thanks to Tan Lines for the soundtrack, to Lisa Congdon for the cover art, and to Ryan Coomer for his expertise with the editing stuff. Traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute.